Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying your week so far. Goodness gracious me, you're about a handful of weeks left to go in your fantasy footy season. It is crazy. That means for rankings, man, if you haven't made your move just yet, it's time to really get cracking while league focuses. It now starts to get to your finals. Plenty to talk about on this episode. We'll walk you through it in a moment. Before we do, got to join in our special guest for today. It's not a guest. He's a regular part of the coaches panel. You might also hear him on the pod pod. I'm talking about Louis. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for letting me back on the podcast. It's been about six weeks. I'm uh, pretty keen to chat a little bit of fantasy, especially with things starting to heat up on the leaderboards through the formats too. It's true. So we'll we'll sure treat you like Matt Crouch. We, we bring you back for a week, remind everyone how good you are, and then let you go back for another couple. Isn't that yeah, how it works? Yeah. I might have to defect at the end of the year, mate. That's all right. We'll find room for you, mate, in the salary cap. It won't be a problem at all. So on this episode, there's a fair bit I want to get through. We want to, of course, answer our Patreon questions. If uh, you want to join the Patreon supporter group, it's one of the practical ways you can show your support of what you've got in the preseason and throughout the season proper from the Coaches Panel. All the links for our Patreon supporter group are at coachespanel.com. TV. Uh, want to talk about limited trade stuff. Want to help people navigate some captaincy dilemmas over the past two weeks, especially Louis. It's been a, a minefield for people that have gone near. But really, uh, I want to spend the big chunk of the start of our conversation uh, on this episode kind of identifying where coaches probably meant feel like they're in three different camps at the moment. Uh, one camp is their season is over either because of rankings or league focus. And they just go, okay, in the five or six weeks that are left to go in my season, how should I spend this time for future benefit? Uh, for others, your focus is purely on rankings and you're in it to either get a personal best, top 100 and claim yourself a hat in AFL fantasy, top 10 and get yourself some prize money in a dream team or super coach, let alone win it all. Or then the third category, your focus is leagues, what should you be doing? So let's jump back right to that first one. For, for coaches, Louis, that are looking at their team, looking at their rank and looking at where they find themselves in their league and go, ah, season is over in terms of achieving what do I want to achieve. How should they approach these next couple of weeks? Well, obviously it's super disappointing if your season is over through ranking or via the leagues. But at the same time, these coaches are also the coaches that are probably going to have the most fun on the run home here. So the good thing about your season being over is that there will be a season, I presume, next year. And what you can do is start to take some risks. You can start to do some certain things that maybe you wouldn't have previously done while your season was alive. And you can start almost just practicing for the year that's going to come next year. So maybe you're notoriously a very safe coach. You like to trade in the popular player, um, you like to play the break-evens, all that. Well, that hasn't worked for you this year. Why don't you try something new in the last six weeks? Maybe you can peg back a few ranks and maybe you can find some sort of advantage that you can use next year. So it's a good little time to reflect, take some risks uh, and just have a bit of fun with the game because I think it's forgotten by a lot of coaches that at the end of the day, this is 
fantasy football game. It's not mm. to be taken too seriously. So, um, you know, I can be a little bit jealous of these coaches at the end of the day, really, <laughs> because uh, they get to play the game that, the way that they want to play it. So, um, yeah, like I said, disappointing, but it's also an opportunity to, to improve your skills and to get better for next year. And um, maybe even identify a player who gets on a run in the last five games and you're able to start them next year because you're all over it in, you know, what are we in now, July. So six months, we're away from starting months. all over again, aren't we? So oh, yeah. some of us have already started, mate. <laughs> Okay, so we're just talking about the category you've just found yourself in at the moment is is maybe where it is. Uh, I think that's some good advice though, man, that not only just the enjoyment, but that idea of going into different spaces and tapping into different ways of how you normally don't coach or trade or, or build your side. So if you might notoriously be quite risk averse, all of a sudden, you're now going to go really different strategies with how you play your captaincy and vice captaincy, who you're trading into or not trading into. And and playing the game over the next six weeks and going, okay, over the next six weeks, I would normally play it really safe. And for example, go, I'd captain McRae into Neil every week in Supercoach or, or, or the inverse of that. Or I'd go Laird into Oliver or whatever it is. Is All of a sudden you're now going, you know what? I'm going to put the captaincy, vice captaincy onto a, a Sam Doherty. Who, who again, you're just like, I'm trying something different. I, I think that's the, the key I'd be encouraging people is try some new things that normally you wouldn't do. And who knows, you just might find you've learned how to unlock parts of the game. It's harder in dream team and super coach, especially if you're trade poor, which a lot of coaches are now outside of league focuses. So in AFL fantasy, where you've got the two a week, use it or lose it. That's where you can go, ah, I'd normally trade into Jack Steele this week, but you know what? Really like Noah Anderson. So I'm just going to go grab him. One of the value premiums that people are going after at the moment is a Mitch Duncan, which I totally disagree with it. But if you want the narrative on that, that's fine. I'll go and get a Sam Berry, for example, or, or, or a Zach Butters because he's burnt everyone else and I'm going to go against. The, I think they, that's some really good advice. Anything else in and around that space for coaches that you go, your year's done, you should try this? No, I think you nailed it, mate. And, um, yeah, you know, you mentioned Zach Butters. He's one of my favourite players. You as a coach might go, well, you know, I go for Geelong. I love Patrick Dangerfield. Jump on. He's in some decent form. I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to enjoy my fantasy football separately, if that makes sense. So you've got totally. the fantasy, but you're also watching your favourite player and you've got a, a little bit of uh, something in the game, I suppose. So, no, I think you've nailed it there, MJ. All right. So for coaches then that – let's talk leagues – focus so their ranking don't care it's all about the matchups over these next five or six weeks against their workmates their friends whoever to help them be successful what's a couple of nuggets of gold you can drop their way to help them make sure they walk away with the premiership well you're constantly looking at your matchups aren't you and it's not too dissimilar to how you would approach a rankings based player mm. so we always talk about on a coaches panel and pod pod about you know, it's not just this week, it's the week after and then the week after that. And uh, that can be lost in leagues sometimes because you look at your one league matchup and yeah, you might have to skin over somebody, but then that next week, well, you've actually just traded in to match your next opponent and maybe that's what's going to stop you from winning your league. So uh, you do need to um, juggle a few different things and look at a few different teams and from there sort of throw up how you're going to get your advantage. It might mean that you have to pull out the pen and paper and and do it manually just so you can get your head around it. But uh, 
yeah, obviously the, the focus on leagues is to beat your opponents. So as long as you're studying your opponents and you're making moves to improve your side um, in direct comparison to theirs, which is a slightly different mindset to the rankings-based mm. player, then I think you're, you're on a good way to, to winning your leagues. Yeah, some good advice. For me, I'd add a couple of things You know, on top of that would certainly be about trades always have a value. But in leagues, having options over those final two to three weeks is really, really critical. And so where you can get that information out of those that you're competing against, where their team situates with the amount of trades left, that informs a lot about whether or not you might have to get super aggressive. What bracket of finals are you going to find yourself in? And then on the basis of that, identifying who are the danger matchups that I'm going to come up against? So for me to make the way through the grand final, who are the players that, like Louis said, have got those matchup elements that I need to be concerned about? Who is it that uh, the data suggests that midfielders, for example, score really well against Collingwood? So if I was coming up with Rory Laird as a unique against me this week, I'd be nervous for that very reason. Whereas, say, a Carlton or a much more restrictive team to score against through the midfield, you're looking at your team and going, oh, okay, I'm actually, I'm an owner here of Patrick Dangerfield. Oh, Danger versus Lead. Normally, you'd probably go with Lead anyway, but all of a sudden, you might need to now get creative this week. So look at the brackets, look at the players that could hurt you, find out the value of the trades you've got remaining and within your league where you can. And then look to see where you're weak matchup to matchup. Are you a strong chance to win with no changes? Do you need to make your trade this week? Can you run the gauntlet? Do you have the second chance uh, to get in there? And are you prepared to get into the grand final the long way and save more trades for your prelim and grand as opposed to using it in your qualifying? These are all those elements, aren't they, that make the decisions? Yeah, and that week off um, before the grand final is absolutely massive because you can start making some sort of moves with your team to come up against the grand finalist. And it doesn't have to be a week before. It can be now that you start planning. Maybe you're, you're confident that you're going to get into the grand final, but yeah. let's say you've got a Jordan Dawson. Oh, hang on. Uh, round 23 comes up against Port, who are mm. extremely restrictive of that outside player, sort of halfback flanker, if he's playing there. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm just going to move him on now. I'm going to bring in another guy. I'll see how he goes. And then at least in that round 23 matchup, if I'm thinking along the right trail of thought, then mm. I've got a leg up in that, in that matchup. So it's, it's all about thinking ahead. Yeah, no, some, some good advice. So for then the coaches that are, are really gunning to win it all. Now, by win it all, we're really clarifying winning something tangible of a prize. So for some, that's the number one ranking and the money or the car, depending on the format you play. For others, it's a top 10. Furthermore, it's top 100. So for those that are really ranking slaves in this moment, five or six weeks left to go, what are the things that are going to help them crack open this bit? Because it is hard to really get some big moves. Um probably more than 100 points per round. It is harder to get moves than that on average. What, what are we looking to do? Identify coaches that are around you that you, can, that you can find a point of difference or match depending on where you are because at this point in the season, it doesn't matter who's ranked 5,000 and who they own. It's, that's true. You're never going to be versing them. That's fine. That's, save that stuff for league matchups and your, if your season's completely over. But 
if you're actually going for ranking, that's where you need to start identifying which players are popular, which ones aren't, which ones are in form, which ones have good matchups to come. And uh, an important piece of advice I would give while a lot of teams are pretty much complete and we say it throughout the season, but it's perhaps more relevant than ever this time of year is actually looking at your players and your trade targets as a group. Mm. So let's say just looking at my ruck line now, I want to trade Riley O'Brien and Sean Darcy. All right. Well, I've got Riley O'Brien as maybe 90, 95. I've got Sean Darcy, maybe around, around that same range. Sure. Well, who am I trading in? Am I trading in a Rowan Marshall who might be off 90, 95 and a, and a Tim English who might be a hundred. You, mm. you start to look at the overall sort of addition of it all and whether or not you're actually going to get a substantial points gain. And you can sort of extrapolate that over the next six weeks. So if you think a player is going to go 110 every single week, well, beautiful. Mm. Have that as part of your planning. And that's how you know, or at least how you can at least put yourself in the best position not to be burnt on the other end because you traded a, let's say, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to knock coaches for doing sure. it, a Nick Dacos who had just come into form, but he's still a rookie and people have mm. traded him out. So, yeah, it's all about keeping a level head and also removing yourself from the situation a little bit and seeing things for what they actually are. Yeah, it's good. I think for me it would be uh, you need to have created some form of separation from you to the pack. And so often people go, oh, i got to go get a unique. And, and you, you pointed that out when you're looking at the ownership. But sometimes creating separation is intentionally going against the popular guy that everybody's jumped on along the way. And that's so often the case now, MJ, because there is so much content out there. Like five, six years ago, coaches just didn't have all these podcasts. They didn't have all these Twitter accounts to follow. They didn't have all these resources to look at. The AFL website probably wasn't promoting the game as much. You've got all these players who all of a sudden have this wealth of information mm. where it's almost the, it's flipped on itself where your point of difference now isn't bringing in the guy who's owned by 2.5% of the competition. Yeah. Sometimes it is, but you can sometimes, well, you can quite often find a bigger point of difference going, Oh, you know what, let's say I don't like Clayton Oliver yep. um, this week or next week with the thumb. He's at 40% ownership, whatever he is. I'm going to take it down to somebody else who's at 15%. It might be a Rory Laird. There you sure. go, 12%. All of a sudden, you've got your point of difference by jumping off a player who you think might underperform over the next few weeks. You're going to save yourself a bit of coin in that process. Mm -hmm. And you're going to bring in a player who's going to go, if you're right, 110 plus, hopefully. So that's what it's all about. Uh, and I think you've got to be prepared to make these trades again whether they're sideways in nature or upgrade around and away from what others are doing you actually have to be prepared to lose uh, because if you want to win it all and you play a conservative game you're just not going to get there you've got to do something to be prepared to win it all and win it big uh, otherwise if you keep these mickey mouse sideways safe trades that don't really do anything somebody else will take the risk and they'll be prepared to drop out of the top 100, for, for example, for a sake at winning it all. And luck will go their way. You need luck to get you in the, in, into the finals and into the victory points and things like that. So, so for me, if someone's going, oh, man, I think I'm a chance at winning this whole thing, I go, great. What are the trades you make and what are you doing? What are the options? What, what can you do? Now get aggressive. I, I was chatting to one of our Patreons just the other day. 
who's quite close at winning a particular format right now. I won't say which format is because I don't want to give away what he's doing. But he's got no trades left. And he's like, you know, but what he does have is he's got unbelievable depth. He's got premium coverage on every line. But what it gives him now is matchups. So what he might lack in trades, he's now got in depth that's going to get him through. And in where not, people might normally go, oh, I'm stuck with a Crips at M8. He's got the opportunity to now look at that scores, check the fixtures, play the game. And, and that's where the risks and opportunities can come. All right. So then for coaches, we'll talk some more limited trade stuff in a sec. Uh, because there was a player's name that you mentioned, Clayton Oliver. Uh, depending on which media website you go to, including sometimes a difference between the Melbourne website and the AFL official injury list, let alone what the club have said, he's anywhere from guaranteed to miss unlikely to play right through to look we'll give him every chance and we'll probably name him <laughs> which is so unhelpful when you've got that variety of information now again depending on the time you're listening to this you may already have to have some clarity about some of that in the limited trade formats it's a little different to afl fantasy so maybe i'll i'll, I'll start with afl fantasy with you louis if you're at a clayton oliver owner which a lot of people are and he's not named. What are the variables you need to consider before you make it an absolute lock of a trade-out? Well, you need to look at his matchups to come. You need to look at who you're going to be trading him to if you do choose that and whether or not you're happy potentially using a further trade to go back to an Oliver. So you're not wanting to cut your Clayton Oliver, who's very likely your M1 or M2, straight down to somebody who's not even going to be in that top eight mix and then get caught out and all of a sudden you're scrambling to try and find somebody to replace him a week from now. So you need to get quite creative with it. And these are the sorts of moves that I really like because it's a premium with a lot of cash on his head who's owned mm -hmm. by a lot of the competition. So 957K, uh, a lot of coaches wouldn't have many people on the bench. Mm. Um, so if you're saying, oh, I've got 350K rookie on the bench, I'm going to take it down to 190K. Well, if you take Clayton Oliver 957K down to a to a Ben Keys or a Tom Mitch or a Mitch Duncan, who you mentioned before, Tim Taranto, you'll make 200K. Yeah. So you've actually got a lot of cash on this guy's head where you can go down, find somebody who's going to be a comparable scorer and then put that cash on somebody else's head um, who, if you're clever enough, will improve your side by, you know, 5, 10, 15 points each week. So it's, yeah, that's what I'd be doing, MJ, in, in AFL Fantasy. I don't think you hold unless you've got good depth or you've got a couple of looks at a loop in your midfield. So yeah, that's a, good say a, a Jake Sligo goes, you know, 75, 80 yeah, that's probably enough. That's probably a bad Clayton Oliver game. And in mm. which case, yeah, you'd keep him for that extra week. Especially um, if it means the trade that you would make in the sideways manoeuvre all of a sudden frees up the, well, now you can get Darcy Cameron up to a Tim English or yeah. you can, you know, you can fix up that last rookie on your field up to a legitimate gun. And now in totality, your team's stronger. Or you, you get rid of a James Sicily who just we just spoke before, you know, jumping off a player who's highly owned onto someone who's less owned 
there's your mm. point of difference. So you've got that extra trade in your pocket where you can almost get a week ahead of the rest of the competition because 30% of coaches are fixing up Clayton Oliver. Yeah, I actually really, you know, just on Sicily, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, not so much in Supercoach where he's just weaponizing still all the time. I actually really like trading out of a James Sicily if you can afford it. And the reason being, yeah, he came off a ton last week against the Crows, but to be fair, any intercepting player can score a ton against the Crows with how they deliver the ball inside forward 50. But for me, I go, man, they got Doggies, Richmond, Gold Coast, Saints, North and West Coast, but he still hasn't gone over 120 all year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So that's not hurting you by going against him. So I, I like that. And I love the suggestion you gave there too about playing the fixture matchups and, and can you get a look before you do it? Some guys that might be in consideration if you're trying to free up some cash in AFL fantasy, just pure mids rather than looking at other lines. Uh, Jack Steele's 884K in AFL fantasy keys, who you've already alluded to is 816K. Cam Guthrie, he's not going to make you a heap of cash, only about 60 odd K. If you go and dive into some of his numbers, pretty much since, gosh, about round six, he's he's nearing close to a 115 plus average. So he's more than flying. I wouldn't trade into Luke Davies' Uniac unless you're having fun. And the reason being is new coach. Just don't know what's coming in there. I love Noah Anderson. I think he could be a really fun flyer. We might, sorry, and we might touch on that as well, I think, in the podcast. Yeah. And the ramifications of that coaching change. All right, we'll get to that in just a sec then. Um, Mills, sure. And there is an interesting one. I don't know if I'd go it blind to jump into him. And the reason I wouldn't jump blind into the guy, obviously, um, very much hooking towards, is he's got a break even of 141. But a Bailey Smith with pretty much a one-game exception price at 872, he's only had one game, and that was the game before uh, he's been off with a a four-week suspension for a variety of different reasons. Beyond that Geelong game where he did get suspended, where he was clearly struggling in, in his head, his lowest score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was 92. And he's got ceilings of 154, 131, 147. St. Kilda this week, Melbourne the week after, Geelong, Fremantle, GWS, and then a very interesting match up in the grand final, Hawthorne. That I really like, but I don't know if I could do it, given I'll probably jag him 50K cheaper in a fortnight. Yeah, well, I think... uh... One of the well, the coaches that do very well will nail the timing of Bailey Smith Correct. on your stretch home. I wouldn't jump in straight away either. Uh, he could hit the ground running by all means, but um, just off the field uh, is just yeah dealing with some things. And you know we don't know how he returns. He might be put in a graveyard shift at half forward to get a mm. bit of match fitness. Uh, there's just too many variables where you don't want to be paying 872k for for a, a, the amount of unknowns that are there, you're right. You, you don't want to get stuck and jagged with that. So so I think that's some really good shout. I think in the limited trade formats, because Clayton Oliver is the one that, you know, we're addressing it as an issue, but it's this guy that you wouldn't think of trading out unless they were injured. Um, in Dream Team or Supercoach, the answer of whether or not you should trade him out all depends on the qualifiers of how many trades do you have left? 
can you or do you want to trade back into him? And does that impact your team? And by trading him back in, do you actually make your team stronger by doing it? And then the last is, what's your objectives? If you're going for rankings and you go, man, I've got two trades left. I'm trying to win it all. And this is the aggressive move I can make. Okay. That's the, you've got to understand the process and the thoughts behind it. And if they make sense, fine. For me, in the more limited trades, I'd be looking if I did need to make a trade to trade into some depth that could give me some versatility. So mid forwards, defender forwards, where I could now get a really nice matchup guy that for six weeks, because that's all you need, six weeks guy that could absolutely fly. So could a Isaac Heaney, I know his name's a bit mud for some in, in formats, but could he pop a 95 plus score across your bench from now to the end of the day. year? Sorry? I've got a good one for you. Oh yeah, give me one. Possibly. Uh, what if the North Melbourne coach, Lee Adams, takes over, goes full youth and Tyron Thomas has 80% CBAs for the rest of the year? Tom Powell. Another, Tom you know, Powell. The, exactly right. Th- yep. These are the sort of moves where you go, man, I, got, I think the key for me is DPP, have they shown they can score a ton before? And does the fixture and the narrative of the next six weeks give them opportunity? And if the answer is yes, yes, and yes, well, then you can do what I was alluding to about this Patreon that I was discussing with, where now they're using their depth, not just trades, to maximize their scoring week in and week out. Now, all of a sudden, can you go into one of those players that Louis and I have been talking about, and now you can actually hold Oliver? Because if you can, of course your team from next week onward is strong with that so uh, for me i'd be looking to trade into depth rather than trade sideways and trading into versatility of depth um, if i had that option you've talked about north melbourne let, let, let's spend some time looking at them before we wrap up the episode with our patreon questions i know lee lee's a ripping human being and so he, he'll get the most out of that club I, i'm really really confident in what he can do as a coach and as a as a person to galvanize a group even though he's been a senior coach at VFL level and local footy, like literally the club he coached in local footy is like right near my house. So those that have followed his coaching career are now probably able to geo Google map and know where I live, which is not scary at all. But the point is um, he, he will absolutely back in the young kids. What does that mean for uh, Aaron Hall, Taran Thomas, Tom Powell, Jack Zebel, Luke Davies, Uniac, Hugh Greenwood. What do you, how do you see the tea leaves coming out here with what North Melbourne is and what fantasy benefits could come our way? Well, there's going to be some level of volatility. I mean, there has to be. So Lee Adams, he can come in and um, he can win games and all that sort of stuff. That's fine. But he actually has to try a few different things. So I don't think he's going to come in and and they're just going to do what they've done for the previous 16, 17 weeks. I think he's right. going to come in and he's going to try some stuff. Look at what uh, Mark McVeigh did. Who, who would have called that Himmelberg was going to go back? No one saw that. No one saw that coming. So I think that he's got a, well, obviously he's got a grace period because he's probably not in line to actually have the senior job. So yeah. he's going to try some things. He's going to see... Uh, if he can see something in some young kids who maybe haven't been given a go, and that's where an Aaron Hall, maybe he does get dropped because they mm. go, well, hang on, we've got 
let's pick one out, Miller Bergman, who's <clears> been sitting in the twos, or a McGuinness who was floated a couple of weeks ago. You know, they're, they're doing all right in the twos, but, you know, this season's dead in the ones. Let's actually throw them to the Sharks in a way and see if they can swim, you know? So yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very volatile team to trade into in these final six weeks. But on the flip side, um, if you can identify a role quickly mm. and, it, and it looks fantastic, then you can also find a, an absolute gem. So if I'm thinking back into the past, I remember Luke McDonald had a role change halfway through the year. It might've been 2019. Yeah. 2020 was his year that he really popped, yeah. And he started going 110, 110, 110, or whatever that is adjusted over and over again because Mm. he had that role. We saw it from Aaron Hall a little bit later. We saw it from Jack Siebel at times too. So we know there are points to be had in that North Melbourne team, but uh, it's going to be volatile. You're going to have to watch the games. You're going to have to identify the trends. Mm. Uh, And you've only got six weeks to do it, yeah. And you've got six weeks to do it. So as I was about to say, you might not jump that first week because it might just be a red herring. He might yeah. go, all right, you four, you're in the midfield rotation this week. Next week, you four, you're in. We're going to try some different things. Aaron Hall, you're suddenly a small pressure forward. You never know. So um, personally, I probably wouldn't go near it at all. Yeah. But you might be one of those coaches whose season is over and you don't care. That's right. I go for North and I love this player. I'm going to bring him in. Yeah. Or, you know, actually, I'm seeing something that I haven't seen mentioned yet. I'm going to bring him in. Mm. Uh, a league you might win because you bring in a North player that somebody doesn't own. Maybe you do bring in Aaron Hall because he's got 10 kickouts a game and and you've got Jordan Dawson in that round 23 matchup versus Port Adelaide that we briefly mentioned. So uh, it's it's worth discussing. It's worth touching on, but it's a very difficult situation to read because it could go in a number of different directions. It, it's a really interesting one. For me, Powell's probably, alongside Thomas, are probably the two that if I was to go somewhere that wasn't a cash cow, because again, trading into a premium brew, not that there are many, but a, but a Simpkin and a Hall and even a Goldstein, Jed Anderson. Jed Anderson yeah. You'd be like, Oh, geez, I, I, that, that's risky. But someone like a pal who's in super coach is priced at 282,000 or an AFL fantasy who's priced at 430,000. And he was actually all right. The other week, uh, he got an 83 last week in AFL fantasy and dream team. And it was a 70. I know we're not talking about great scores, but if we're talking about trading into depth with DPP, with potential upside, he, he could be our guy. Remember just 12 months ago, he, he was being looked as for keeper league coaches, the best prospect for fantasy that came out of that 2020 draft crew. So for me, I, I think he had a handful of tons too, Louis. Um, last year across yeah, the format. Yeah, certainly that first 10 weeks, he uh, he flew out the gates and was one of the best performing rookies. So for me, I go, okay, if there's if there's a smell of something this week against Richmond and I like taking a risk and maybe I can loop some movements through there, he's probably the one for me that I'd be the most, and I use this word loosely, confident uh, in actually being able to deliver something for us. All right, well, let's look at some of our Patreon questions before we wrap up this episode. Like I said at the top, if you've loved what you've got from us so far this season during the preseason or years past, for as little as a couple of bucks a month, you can join our Patreon supporter group. There's articles, there's hidden groups, there's additional podcasts. Oh, and by the way, speaking of additional podcasts, normally 
In fact, not normally. Every week I do a review podcast of the week of footy that has been that is only available for our top tier of Patreons, our premium tier of Patreons. However, we're teaming up with Spotify that for just a couple of bucks a month so that you don't have to join the top tier of the premium patron. You get all the other benefits in it. But for just a couple of bucks a month, um, for Spotify users only that do the podcast, for a couple of bucks a month, you can get those podcasts as well as in the off-season, both myself and Kane are doing our Keeper League ranks, the top 50 Keeper League prospects, putting them into tiers, helping you with that. Those people that subscribe to that as well at Spotify will be able to do that. So uh, another hidden bonus of supporting the coaches panel uh, is all coming in the off-season. All right, uh, Brendan's got a question for you, Louis. You've kind of touched on this, so I'm keen on your take. At what point should you start moving on premiums who have tough fixtures to end the year? For example, he highlights Lockie Neal as someone who's got a really interesting last three games for the year. Now, while you're pondering that, let me tell you the three opponents he's got, and then you can tell me whether or not Neil or others. He's alluding to Carlton. St Kilda and Melbourne specifically for Neil. So that's the specifics, but more generally, what's your take on trading out difficult fixture premiums? Yeah, it's it's tricky because, um, and Kyle likes to say this on Pod Pod all the time, fantasy is not linear. So no. if, if I remove myself from the situation and look at Lockie Neil and the Brisbane Lions in their last three weeks... Well, they're going to want to win those games. They're going to want momentum running into finals. And Lockie Neal's just about their best player. Mm. I, I think I could see the opposite as well. I could see Lockie Neal going on a tear, putting yeah. the lines on his shoulders and saying, come with me, boys. Let's let's uh, stroll into finals and see if we can win some uh, win a premiership. So it, it is very hard to identify, Brendan. Uh, it does come down to a bit of gut feel. It comes down to watching footy, the eye test. Um, lots of different variable factors. And that's why trading at this time of year is so difficult. Um, to answer your specific question, I think it's just an example. Yeah. Uh, I, I generally like to, to see the first tough matchup if it's a three-week span mm. and then sort of assess from there. But uh, watch the footy and trust your eyes and you'll be able to tell if a player's maybe a little bit gassed this time of season or if maybe he's not doing those little extra bits that take you up from being a 100 guy to 115 guy, because um, that is matchup dependent. And it's also sort of um, fitness in mm. uh, sort of the position of the team dependent too, as well. So certain teams will love to chip it around this time of year and um, take a bit of kilometers out of the legs while other teams will, they'll go hell for leather and see if they can bring momentum into finals or bring it into 2023. It is an interesting one, isn't it? Cause they got two teams, uh, of their final three that they play against the other St Kilda, but the two are Carlton and Melbourne that are arguably they're competing with for a top four spot. So especially that final round of the year where they take on the D's that for me is a really intriguing matchup where to use your term, they're going hell for leather to secure a top four spot or some of the other elements over the previous five weeks have helped them to go, all right, where we've got top four locked up but we won't get a home final or, okay, we're out of top four. We'll do that. So those are the other variables that kind of come into the mix for you too. And sometimes a, a tough matchup's actually good because the other team goes, well, 
I don't care about you. We rate our midfield here. We're going to go head to head. And that's very Melbourne, isn't it? They on. do that. It is very Melbourne. I could see a Lockie Neal v Clayton Oliver round 23. Yeah. Um, Steal the week or two before it. Yeah, yeah. And they could both go 130 plus. We saw it and really reaching back now, but we saw it back in 2015 with Danger v Fife when they were just that's right. absolute prime went head to head. And I think they both went over 140 that week. So. Uh, yeah, I, I probably haven't helped you, Brendan. I've probably confused you a little bit more, but um, trust me, mate, everybody's with you. Yeah, no, fair enough too. All right, Craig has a question. He says, are there any players you're watching closely over these final few rounds with an eye on 2023? We'll do some stuff. I know, Louis, we've got some plans to do some off-season ideas that we'll kind of talk through as a kind of a precursor to the 50 most relevant. So we won't give too many names away, but... But are there a couple of guys that you're like, okay, you're on the, you just got to get a little bit of, you know, beside the notes, I'm keeping an eye on you. Yeah, I mean, I could probably go on for the next 10 minutes with some <laughs> blokes that I'm watching, but uh, I'll give you a few obvious ones. Sure. So Will Phillips has been ruled out for the year. Yeah. Obviously a previous number three pick uh, under a new coach next year. I think he's going to, he might be a bit of a smash play because he's going to be um, just a bit He'll be rookie price, maybe yeah. a little bit above it. So uh, from the same team, Atar and Thomas, mm-hmm. maybe worth a play. A Rowan Marshall, if Paddy Ryder retires, will definitely be a play. Yeah, Adam Chera, Elliot Yo, they've both had down years. You'd expect them to bounce back. A Zach Williams has a four built into his score. Uh, Christian Salem, very much the same. There's... And then there's just a plethora of rookies who maybe we thought would get a game this year, but didn't. So I look at a Josh Sin, who did get a game, but didn't score enough. A Darcy Wilmot, who a lot of us mm. had in the preseason. There's a lot of names that are quite easily forgotten um, that are going to be relevant next year. A Jack Bowes is another one who was playing mm. in midfield time, but then uh, did a calf or a hip flexor or something like that in the preseason. So uh, we... We won't be lacking cheap options. No, that's for sure. Certainly not in defense. No, that's a really, really good shout. Stephen wants to know in AFL fantasy, is it time to move Himmelberg on? He's looking at Taranto and Bailey Smith. We've kind of already ruled him out at least for a week um, based on that. But Himmelberg to double T, maybe it's a bad idea to ask you a Taranto question given the bias there. But is it time to move on Himmelberg? knowing that he can score as good as anyone forward eligible, let alone defensive eligible now with that DPP inclusion. Are you trading him out in AF? Yeah, I probably am, MJ, because Himmelberg's a player who um, gets given a score mm. and Taranto's a player who gets his score. So yeah. what I mean by that is Taranto tackles. He, he does all the hard stuff in the midfield. He's constantly around the footy, whereas Himmelberg is a bit more outside. Yes, he does the odd intercepts, but he's relying on other players to give him the football. So uh, generally I favor the guy who's going out and getting it. So I think Tim Taranto, and especially coming out of contract, uh, could Mm. be a massive play in these last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's an interesting one. All right, last one. James has a question. Super coach relevant, but touches a little bit on what we alluded to earlier in the episode, which is he's going for rank. Is now the time to be aggressive, he asked, with luxury trades to create some separation and bank on some increased scores. For example, he's trading out short for a Houston Pendles, Gus Brayshaw for a McDonald type. My answer to you, James, is no, I wouldn't make that trade. 
because while we do talk about trading out for creating some uniqueness in your team, there is no clear separational jump of trading into a Houston, a Pendles, a Brayshaw or a McDonald over a short. Yeah, short's been a little, a little under what we'd all would have liked him to be over the past couple of weeks in Supercoach. And I think it's probably translated similarly in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He hasn't turned up for four weeks in Supercoach and he's only got one in his past six and two in his past eight. And so I'd be moving him on to go up to somebody else rather than something that is comparably similar in those lines. So for me, I'd be going, can you get up to a Bailey Dale? As good as Dan Houston is going at 103 in that format, he, he's only 10 points better than what Short has been doing over the past few weeks. I'd be going all the way aggressive and going, if you want to do something unique, go get a Mason Redmond. Go and get a Shannon Hearn. Go and get Rioli back in. Like, do something that it's like, okay, get these guys that in their current roles are 10 to 20 points better than him and are uniquely owned, not just guys that could match him over that. I know you don't play super coach, but you got a similar take on that, Louis? Yeah, on the exact same. All those players are pretty much on par um, in that format, I suppose. And what you've got with Jaden Short is safety and numbers. So if he fails to fire one week, that's true. At least you've got a bunch of other coaches who are copying the same thing. Whereas if you trade in a Luke McDonald, for example, and he dishes you up a, a 50 or a 60, well, that's a pretty lonely boat to be in because only a small percentage of coaches actually own him. So I think, yeah, yeah, you go, you keep short. And if you are trading him out, you take him up to a big dog who you're confident is going to outscore Jaden Short every single week. Yeah, no, that's a really good shout, mate. Hey, Louis, been an absolute pleasure having you back on the podcast, mate. Thank you for jumping on. Oh, good, mate. Thanks for having me. If you want to go and check out any more of the other podcasts we've dropped right throughout the season so far, you can go and find them wherever you do get your platforms uh, that hold these podcasts. So your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your Amazon Music's, Stitches, all that. Yeah, you can go and find us wherever it is. Like I said, we've teamed up with Spotify, which means you can uh, save yourself joining the elite tier of our Patreon supporter group. And just for a couple of bucks a month, you get the same podcast level of content that they do. It's just a couple of bucks a month. Spotify users only can get into that as well. If you do love to support the coaches panel, you can just become a Patreon. Simple as that. Lots of other great stuff behind the paywall for you to get involved with. Well, just over a handful of games left to go for the rounds. Yep. Six rounds of footy left to go. You're getting really close. We wish you all the best. We hope it all goes your way. And until next week, well, that is when we'll chat to you soon. Give it all.